Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Beth. Hey, Jenna. How are you? So great. Yeah? Well, I'm a little self-conscious about our opening now. Yeah. Apparently, it's too predictable. What do we say every time? Hey, Beth. Hey, Jenna. What do you want me to say? How do you guys say hi, Father? Like normal people. (laughs) (laughs) I am wondering. Now I can't remember. It's just not as sweet. It's more like, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is off to a great start. We're getting getting notes in. I do want to know how you guys... So you just say hi to the people. I thought you were an avid listener. No, no, no. Then they do like a roll call. Father Mark Mary... Father Innocent, Father Angelus. Oh, we should do that. Okay. Hey, person. Beth Davis. He's our... What up, what up, what up? That's how you have to do it to give it the guy feel. No. But you didn't give your name. That was our new intro. And I'm Father Mark Mary. (laughs) Hey, everybody. I feel like as a guest, but now I don't think I'm a guest anymore. No, you're... We're just family. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just friends hanging out. Because normally I'd be like, oh, I'm very happy to welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. Father Mark Mary. It's good to be here. Father... Normally, we make the guests introduce themselves. Yeah. Can I ask you to do that? Yeah, you can ask me to do that. What would you like to know? Will you please? I'm Father you? Mark Mary with Franciscan Friars of the Renewal and a very good friend and big fan of Beth Davis mm-hmm. and Jenna Gizar. I'm a big fan of Beth Davis, too. You guys, it's too much. Yeah, I live in Harlem from California, and I run a lot of our communication stuff. I just love being a friar and a priest. I think that's, that's the most important thing about me, and I love Jesus, and he loves me. That's it. Everything else is just whatever. Mm-hmm. I hear you. Yeah. Father, I already know the answer to this. Okay. But I love the answer so much. I'm going to ask you to share it. What is your favorite thing about being a priest? You think you know the answer. I thought I did, but... I've given you some variety of the answer. The truth is, I love everything about being a priest. Okay. All right. But that's like... But, that's but, a beautiful answer. But Fine. it's also true. I love everything about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love everything about it. And so now we're going to sort of judge of, it's a very small margin, but there, there is something that moves me most viscerally and I feel, I feel it very deeply, the joy of being a, I would say a confessor, but it's also just someone who's walking with people kind of spiritually. Um, so just the accompaniment of the, the spiritually, emotionally, whatever, materially beat up. That's the expression of the priesthood that I love the most. You love being a father. I love being a father. Yeah. That's well said. Beautiful. Yeah. Father, as the communications guy, I'm curious if you have a favorite thing you've ever created. My favorite thing that I've created as the communications guy. Yeah. We, we did a Divine Mercy video with Martin Jernberg recently, and I am a big fan of that. Yeah. I think it's really beautiful because he's traveled the world and been to some really beautiful places the communi- with the community of St. John in the Philippines, with uh, the missionaries of charity in, in India, with the Friars, with the Sisters of Life in New York, with us down in Honduras. He's just kind of been everywhere, and, and it's... It's, it's we're praying for God to have mercy on the whole church, on the whole world. It's a beautiful way of communicating the whole world and who we're praying for. And I'm a I'm a very big fan of that one. Yeah. Jenna tuned into your Divine Mercy Chaplet, but not that one. Not the fancy one. I didn't know. Yeah, you tuned into the one that we're like, I'm slightly self-conscious about. Why? I just feel like Father PT and I went super fast. I didn't know. Our number one most successful video, which is very funny, is the rosary video with Father Malachi and I praying the rosary. Really? Yes. Which is hilarious, though, because we have, like, people, when we did a mission beginning of Lent, like, someone, like, tracked us down, like, chased down the, the pastor of the church, like, for, like, a week in a row, making sure he came to meet us. 
because he prays the rosary with us every week. And so the pastor has this guy like chasing him down about this rosary video. And he's like, let me see it. And we show it to him. He's like, this is it. <laughs> this can't be the one this he's is talking it? about. Like, yeah. Are there meditations? No. <laughs> are there mystery, like the mystery? No, it's just you guys with your eyes closed praying the rosary. Like, yeah, that's it. People want to pray. It's the number four most popular video in the history of Ascension Presents at this point. Wow. And climbing. So we'll see. Look we'll out. See. Father Mike Schmitz. Look out, Father. Look out. Here yeah. we come. <laughs> Here we come. Are you well aware? What are the, the top three above you? Yeah. So the number one is why be Catholic and not just Christian? Oh. I think number two is can I get a tattoo? And then number three is the Bruce Jenner question. I can't believe tattoo is ahead of that. Yeah. I think it maybe it came out before it. I don't know. I didn't know that many people are passionate about tattoos. Apparently, about 1.2 million people. It's crazy. Wow. I guess I do want to know the answer to the question. I'm, an, it's, I'm going to make it 1.2 million and one. Father, that was a nice dropped in some info there about the podcast. Yeah. About your podcast? You're trying to prove to the people that you listen to the podcast. I just, I need, it's important that you do know that <laughs> Kelsey was at one point at least proclaimed to be the only of your guests to have listened, listened to the podcast. Father Mike Mary, second. I've, I've blown her out of the water. <laughs> That's true. About the time Kelsey stopped listening, you started yeah. listening. So true. Yeah. I'm probably the first for a number of things for your podcast. I'm probably the first who had to have a second take. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I feel like it would be hard to find someone who's done more remote preparation for this podcast than me. Just you, Father. I listened deeply. Wow. I got some notes. I do have some notes, but not because... I like wanted to come and bring notes, but because I was listening to a bunch while traveling, there was takeaways and I wanted to be able to take them away as opposed to just drown them out with new good stuff. That's fascinating because your podcast is amazing. Poco a Poco. Thank you for doing it. And I think you can listen to that and then listen to the next one and then the next one and then the next one and not actually sit with anything that you're inviting us to sit with. And one of my most favorite parts of your podcast is that I am invited to pray. I do feel something stirring in my soul where I'm like, I want to go and sit with the Lord and think about that and let that impact my heart, not just see it impact someone else's heart and life. So that's beautiful. Thanks for being a witness of writing down your takeaways. (laughs) I need to be better at that myself too. Well, this isn't necessarily what we're going to focus on. That is a principle of the spiritual life and of prayer is that whatever we're listening to or reading, it's a means to an end and not the end in itself. And this is classic from, I think it's John on the Cross or St. Teresa of Avila. Like if what you're reading is leading you to prayer, like stop reading and go pray. Mm. That's true with podcasts and all that stuff as well. So if you feel the Lord speaking to you and prompting you to stop and to sit with and to stay with whatever that is, is do it. Yeah. Have you heard of Father Jacques Philippe? I've been hearing about him for years. I've heard about him Quite often, quite recently, from the gathering place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how I feel about his books. Well, I've only read one, and I've only read like 20 pages of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that's how I feel. I'm like, I just need to go pray right now. Father, when you first came on, we thought we knew what we were going to talk about. Then we changed it at the last minute. Then nobody knew what we were talking about. Well, you knew what you were talking about very beautifully. (laughs) But we had nothing to contribute. Mm -hmm. So I think I like what we're going to chat about today. That's how I feel often with holy people. (sighs) True. What do I have to say? Just sitting at your feet, Father yeah. Mark Mary. Thank you. As reference, this is my second attempt. I'm grateful to be back. It's beautiful because we were strangers and now I do feel, I do care about both of you deeply and I feel that from you and I feel like this is what something God has put together. And I think that kind of can somewhat transition us into the theme of the just, we're going to talk about his family. And I'm going to, I 
I'm going to pick kind of a fight. I'm a younger brother and I come to everything as a younger brother, which kind of means I'm a brat. I just like when someone says something, I'm like, okay, is that true? What's it mean? Right. That's like my, yeah. what are you saying? What's it mean? Is it true? Mm. And one of the statements that people care a lot about is that beauty will save the world. Yes. Mm. Yep. I've heard that. What does that mean? I think I've taken a picture in front of a banner. That and said, you've put Beauty that. will save, save That's the actually world. a Beth Davis quote. No. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> you were the original? Yeah. No. That, the original no. Beauty will save the world. No. Not true. Do you know who did say it? Ugh. At one time, I did know. I believe it was Dostoevsky. Fyodor Dostoevsky. Is that his name? Sounds good to us. The gathering place, not the sophisticated place. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the <laughs> and truth? And that's okay. Yeah. The reason I struggle with it a little bit is it's like, it's like cute and it's kind of like pretty and it kind of mm. feels good. Yeah. But it doesn't resonate with my own personal experience to a degree. And so yeah. I, don't, I don't know that we actually have to totally discredit or dismiss that statement, but just to deepen it or unpack it or nuance it a little bit of, of what we actually mean by mm-hmm. beauty that saves and realizing as well that Dostoevsky is not an author of sacred scripture and he can't be wrong and that's okay. But my, my proposal is this, is that not that beauty will save the world, but that will family will save the world. Mm. Or if you want to have a little bit more continuity of the language that the beauty of family will save yeah. the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my experience is this, is that to quote Shania Twain. Please do. <laughs> The most beautiful polyphony or sacred and beautiful and epic of sculptures or paintings, whatever, like it, it's not going to keep you warm at night. That don't impress me much. <laughs> wow. I didn't know where it was going. Me either. Yeah. But did you, you know that reference, don't right? Don't impress oh, me Oh, I still much. know every word to that song. Yeah. Obviously, I'm kind of using that tongue in cheek. But the idea is this, is that like the beauty of the arts, uh, they have value. And mm. we can often refer to beauty as the spearhead of evangelization. Uh, it's pointing to something deeper. Yes. And that which is deeper is what we are more deeply made for, which is not just the appreciation of beautiful things through the senses, but the beauty of belonging, mm. of communion, which obviously it has its foundation in the unity that is the Trinity, which we, as we experience it here, kind of most popularly call family. Just this place where we're loved, where we're ourselves, where we're safe, where we're known, where we're loved, where we have deep relationship and communion. To belong like that is the deepest desire of my heart. I think I'm excited to hear you unpack this more because I think that family is just such a poopy place. Like our Mm -hmm. human family is a mess. So I totally agree. I think everyone wants a place of belonging. Even if you had a decent family, I think Mm -hmm. there's a longing in there. But more often than not, I think the world is full of crap families. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm anxious to hear how the Lord can redeem that or what you propose, Mm -hmm. how that can change the world. Yeah. I just think there's something transcendental about beauty will save the world. You know, it's a bit more abstract. We can kind of like assent to it, but it's not tangible. And Yeah, it's like not practical. Yeah, it's not a part of our reality, as you were saying. Whereas when you make a statement like family will save the world— my interior movement is not like openness and wonder and expectation. It's more like, yikes, how? Because it clashes with my experience. Yeah. But what, what I think we'll go into is this, is that we want to understand and sort of define our terms and what we, what we mean by family. And as you both sort of alluded to, that we do live in a fallen world and even the best of families are composed of fallen people. And so our experience of family is going to be typically, in in most cases, it's going to be imperfect, a place that's imperfect, if not 
sort of the worst. Mm-hmm. The family is such a place of attack is no surprise either. This is how we have to look at things with Christianity. Is we do have to understand and take into account that which is the ideal, and that's what that what God intended from the very beginning, and that which is now, and that God did intend for family to like the holy family to be the to be the place where each child receives themselves and can learn that that the world is a safe place. Wow. I wish I was taking notes right now. I'm glad I'll go back and edit it. <laughs> or the child receives themselves. We do receive our identity. We do mm. receive our very being and and the place for us to receive that most fully is meant to be an environment a secure environment of love that both knows and which it pours itself out like it's love in action but it's also informed love and where is that most beautifully like the way in which you know and love your children it's just we're we're made for that you know and so it's okay for us to to look there if we can to be safe and to be known to be loved and to be free to be me like that is something attractive but for many of us it's also something painful because we realize like that's something i want and it's, it's it's something i feel like i was made for and I didn't receive it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, it's a both and it's yeah. my experience, but also the longing that still exists despite my experience. Mm-hmm. But we, we love and we worship a God who makes all things new mm. and we worship and we, we love a God who redeems all things. And one of the things that he wants to redeem is family. I really do believe we don't use this language, but I believe that's the primary mission of the church mm. is the redemption, the restoration of, of family in the fullest meaning of that. And it is in the church that we're come to know the best of fathers. And it's it's not by accident that within, you know, to the church and through the churches and trust was also the best of mothers, Our Lady. And that in each of those relationships, over time with grace, right, there can be the redemption of our own fallen experience of father or mother as well. Um, but also there's family, there's brothers and sisters, there's communion. And and this is like there's a there's a sacramental or there's a sign nature to the church that that which it affects something or it represents something to become or that is becoming and that ultimately heaven is the most perfect, fulfilled, healed experience of family. And so the idea is okay, like to some degree I long for it and I want it. I didn't have it. And actually that whole concept can be very painful. Nonetheless, where God wants to lead us is actually he, that desire we have for it. And the healing necessary to get there is part of God's plan for each of us. Mm-hmm. It's the plan, but it's also, as Jesus is both the Alpha and the Omega, the end, like heaven is a person, Pope Benedict says, heaven is also the way. Mm-hmm. And that family is the end, mm-hmm. and that heaven is this sort of family experience, but also family is the way in which this healing and restoration is meant to happen. This, this, um, this place in which we are a relationship, where we have one father, and where we're committed to each other, and there's a, there's a a place of of mutual enrichment and receptive, but also in a way where there's there's sacrificial, generous love. Like this is what the church is meant to be. Okay, so can we go from theory to practice a little bit? Yes, like, please. Yeah, always. Uh, right. Yeah. So, so this this is a little bit at this point like somewhat theoretical, mm-hmm. based on principles. Okay, so what like what does this actually mean? What does this actually look like? Uh, my own personal witness, for example, would be this. So I come from a small family. I only had one older sister, about five years older, and so it wasn't this kind of stereotypical big Catholic family, whatever. But what actually brought me into the church was going to the youth ministry and having these people there. There's a particular number of young women who were sort of like big sisters to me. And before I came to really know Jesus, I came to know their friendship and their belonging. It was resonating with my desire for family. Mm-hmm. And because of that, that's what brought me to end up knowing, if you will, the source of that, which is which is Jesus. Wow. Another example would be this is where there's a salvific nature to it. Somehow, to some degree, this started being put on my radar when I was working at our homeless shelter in the Bronx. 
And one of the questions we get asked and one of the questions we ask is, how does somebody end up here? Is there a common thread? And the misconceptions might be that which people assume is that the principal thing that they have in common is, is some sort of substance abuse, drug or alcohol. While that is there, that's certainly not universal. And we probably never have more than half the guys on the shelter who are there because of some sort of a substance. There is some degree of mental illness. There is some degree of they've come from another country and they didn't really get the job or they didn't get the money they needed. And so they needed a place to, to receive them. But as I looked at it, the one thing that they almost all had in common was the lack of family or severely broken family. And that just got me sort of thinking is like in my own life, even as a friar where I have this in some way, what is meant to be radical dependence on God. The truth is that I always have a safety net, which is my family. And no matter what happens to me, even now, I know that I would have a place that could receive me. Like that's why I would never end up on the street because I have my family. Yeah. That is actually the intention of family. But also going deeper is what I realized is like, okay, these men in the shelter, they ended up in the shelter because they didn't have, if you will, the, the nuclear family to receive them. But they also ended up in the shelter, meaning they got caught by the church because we are there as family. Yeah. And that that's part of our vocation as friars, as brothers and fathers to be family to those who do not have family and to be there to receive and catch those who have fallen through the cracks of life as a result of a variety of different sins. And so that's just some of the way in which it can be salvific. But to keep going is like the answer to so many of our questions and so many of the disputes and so many of everything is that, and it's attributed to Mother Teresa, I don't know if it's an actual Mother Teresa quote, is that the problem is that we forgot that we belong to each other. Or the problem with the world is that we've drawn the circle of family too small. Is that when we interact with one another and identify ourselves as family, that changes everything. But it's not artificial because we do have a common father and we really are family. That mother with, you know, five children living in another country who doesn't know how to feed them. Like, she's my mother. She is my sister. Um, Those children, like, I do have a duty to them. The person who I disagree with, the person who's a jerk to me on the road, like, they're still my father or mother or sister or whatever it is. Like, we belong to each other. And and it's one of the beautiful things of a natural family and the virtue you can see is, like, if you're my brother, you're my sister. And we may be very different, but you're still my brother and my sister. And just by the nature of who you are, I'm going to be loyal to you. I'm going to love you, you know? There's a group of brothers, and one of them just kind of separated a little bit from the family and kind of done their own thing and, and done a lot of it kind of somewhat publicly on his own social media. And it's been very hurtful to the family. But I've just seen the way in which these brothers, they're like, okay, you can, you can do this. You can do whatever you want. I'm going to keep loving you. I'm not going anywhere. That's like the gift of family. That's a salvific nature of family. But that's also meant through the grace of the Holy Spirit to sink into us as members of the family that is the church, that we can have that disposition towards everybody, you know? I think my experience more often has been, I like love people and they leave me. And maybe they would say the opposite. It's just fascinating, again, to like talk about this in theory, Mm -hmm. right? But then these are two, we're fallen people. And I have believed for so long in the gift of community, the gift of having a place that you belong, of that being the church, but sin, man. And just to sort of use what you've shared is that is, I think that reinforces the, the truth of the idea is that, if you will, if family will save the world, not living family is what's going to destroy the world. Mm, yeah. And many of the wounds that we have in our hearts are because people we did not live as family. And mm. somehow there's something that is just written into us, which knows that we're not meant to be abandoned. Yeah. And when that doesn't happen, like we feel the pain. I live in the real world. The world I live in is a very broken world. Yes. And so I'm primarily involved with very broken family situations. 
that's sort of the waters I swim in. So yeah. I'm not I'm not like um, naive to that, or totally. nor do I hope that I'm coming off in any way insensitive to that. I guess the principle behind it is that we belong to one another, and we want like because we can't control other people, but at least we can begin here. It's like Lord, let me let me know that you are Father. Okay, and that's where we begin because mm. as as we know that He is Father, and as He reveals our identity to us in that relationship. Through that, he also reveals to us who everyone else is, right? Because as we really are rooted in our identity as sons or daughters of the best of fathers, we also learn, okay, that each and every person I meet is also son or daughter of the best of fathers, which means that they're brother or sister as well. As the father loves us in our own messiness, and he's faithful to us in our own messiness and brokenness, we have access to that love through the Holy Spirit. And so our love and our creation of family and our living of this isn't our work or our power, but it's the grace of the Holy Spirit. It's how God lives his life in us as he allows us to love one another. Because as he says, right, I will never leave you. And he wants to live that and communicate that and make that tangible and real and experiential through us. But it comes through prayer. It comes through fidelity to the relationship with the Lord. We're not necessarily getting into all the nitty gritty of what this looks like, but where we begin and where we're headed is we're made for one another. As family and as family, we just, we want to be deeply committed to one another while realizing we live in a fallen world, family in a fallen world is very messy. Yeah. But family can get through messy if we mm-hmm. if they do it together. Yeah. The context in which to experience the messy world and to get through it is the family. Like we need family because the world is messy. And if I can give you just maybe one example, I, I experienced this here. I'll, I'll use another example is, as I've shared, I've become very good friends with the Benzingers, right? Mm-hmm. So it's Michelle and Chris Benzinger and they they are a family. And they're, they have their nuclear family. And that's grown their family has its doors open. And so other people come through. And one of the things that people say is they come through this is like, this has redeemed family for me. Mm-hmm. I've seen what family can look like with its messiness, right? Sure. One of the things like the young girls say is they're like, I love to see when you and Chris fight and then make up. Like yeah. there's something of that which is redeeming. I feel like to some extent, it's going to keep growing. This is what this house and this is what blessed is she. This is ultimately your mission. Is if I can go there, like the primary objective of what is happening here is for the Gizar house to be a house that redeems family. And that's what God's doing here first and foremost. Yeah. And everything that you do with Blessed is She, this is, is the fruit of your family. And it's going to flow into that. The way in which you and Mike love each other and love the kids, and the way in which you love each other, which is this family being lived, it gives people hope and it redeems relationships and redeems family. And it and says, like, okay, it is possible. And it also is like, okay, I can belong, you know, and it can welcome people into your family. But this is the work of the church. I think I'm around a lot of people in my life who are pretty mistrusting, like are not open to loving someone that much. So you're saying it starts with us letting ourselves love people that much, like a family, like a brother and sister. I guess that's the first obstacle I see. Well, I've sort of been trying to like deconstruct what you're saying to like find how are you able to be so confident in this? even without maybe that experience growing up. But now, because you're a part of the CFRs and you have these brothers and you have this redeemed experience of family, you're all committed to it and doing it together. Not to sound like cynical, but I think you can do that because you have it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. This is finding family in the church. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like American individualism. I was Mm going to say that too, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's like generational family brokenness, but people just are guarded. Yeah. They like hunker down. Sometimes that's in immediate family, but that's in friendship too. That like at the end of the day, it is just us. And maybe we'll start at a place where we can find common agreement. 
is many people have very bad father experiences. Mm. So the idea of God being father can be very difficult. Our response isn't, well, then you don't have to have a relationship with God as father. We know that's not the answer, but we also know that that, that can be a long journey. Similar can be with if we've had a negative mom experience. Like this whole idea of Mary being the best of mothers. I don't, I can't relate to Mary at all. I've never had a good mom experience. Okay, we can acknowledge where we're at. We're not going to be okay with just staying there forever. And that needs to be healed as well. And so we might have had very difficult family communal experiences. Okay, that's where we're starting. Mm. And that's okay if that's where we're at. But we're not just going to be like, okay, well, fine, just, just isolate and do your own thing. If that is lived into eternity, that's hell, right? Like this total isolation, sure. abandonment, living life all by myself. Like that is probably at the core of what hell is. Whereas heaven is the most intense, beautiful, redeemed, familiar experience. And so, okay, if we want to get there, it doesn't happen by accident, but it doesn't have to happen all at once. And so this is the whole poco, poco, little by little spirituality. It's like, okay, it's for the wounded and it's for the broken. And we're going to be family to you as much or as little as you need at this moment. But first and foremost, we're just going to be here for you no matter what. When you want to go another step, we'll go another step. And so if there are people in your lives who are very difficult to love or who are closed off and not receptive, you can't force anything, nor are you meant to. You can pray for them. You can love them. You can reach out for them a little bit as you can. But also you just, to your best degree, you communicate, I'm here. The home of my heart is open and there's space for you whenever you want to come and to actually be that. I love the entire idea around poco a poco. I just think it's everything. And that's been my experience with the Lord over the past year or so of Him slowly healing things that I didn't even necessarily know needed healing. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be this for most people is that's like in a compartment that can't even be touched. Like me being open and willing to love someone or me thinking that God could use me in that way to be family to someone else. So I think if anything, that's like a, a stirring that probably needs to happen in all of us, a stirring to continue to receive one another with deep love that the Lord gives to us. But I think that all ultimately comes down to our receptivity to the Lord's love. I don't know. Do you think one has to happen before the other? Do you think you have to experience the Lord's love and mercy. Mercy has been like huge for me, like realizing that God is merciful. That causes me to be merciful to someone else because his mercy knows no bounds. So how can I be unmerciful to someone else? Or could it happen the, the other way? Could it be like your experience of caring for people and loving people and then eventually they meet the Lord? I guess it, it's a both end. It can be either. Yeah. God is creative and God is not easily limited. And so he's going to come after each of us as he wants to and needs to. And for some of us, maybe the starting place is the Lord. And then from that relationship, we get the courage to be more vulnerable to others. For some people, we're going to have to be received by others first. And then a little bit of, of trust there is going to open us up to a conversation with the Lord. Yes. Yeah. There's no need to try and limit or define. Again, it's just, it's super important. It's like, what do you, what do you have control over? What's your circle of influence, right? Your relationship with the Lord, love your family and have, have a family, which and just asking for the Lord to give you a heart which is open to being family to others. And what that looks like is going to be different for different people. For you, that's going to be different than it is for me. For me, mm -hmm. living family meant becoming father, brother to the poor. It's such a beautiful topic. I agree with everything you're saying. I want it to be true for me. And I feel like if you were having this conversation with Michelle Benzinger, you would be having a totally different conversation. Mm. But I didn't come. I came for the sick and the broken and the lost. I didn't, yeah. you know, this, this is the gospel. It doesn't need to be mm. 
spoken to pretty places and those yeah. who have perfect families, and this just totally resonates easily. The Lord, this is the whole point of salvation, is to come mm. for those who are broken and lost and to redeem family, not to those who have a perfect image of family, who those who have the most broken image of family. Mm. That's the mission of the church. That's the mission of Christ. That's my mission. This is exactly where I want to be. Well, that's good, because that's where we're at. <laughs> Here's another, I guess, question for you in practical. Is it duplicitous, I guess, for lack of a better word, to love those out in the world? And there's like extreme pain and brokenness within my own immediate or nuclear or extended family? Do those contradict each other? Or can we start with loving people outside and let the grace start there and then work insular? A couple of clarifications. There, There is a primacy or a priority which is of that which is most foundational, not which necessarily is most uh, time sensitive or immediate. You do have more responsibility to your spouse and to your family than you do to other people. And that you do want to prioritize those relationships because of the, the status of life right now. Like that's not possible right now. It doesn't mean you just kind of curl up in a ball and just do nothing. Mm. You know, like you can still be in a relationship and love others if that's where you're at. But nonetheless, like at some point in time, the focus and the main place we do need to get to is, is the nuclear family, particularly if we're speaking as a mother or father, because mm. that's your primary vocation. Yeah. Now, there is space for this, and, and this is where, I, where maybe I haven't been as clear as I'd like, is that when I'm using the word family, I'm not using it maybe in the most specific sense as like my nuclear family. Relationships take more than one person, and there are people who don't want to be received, and there are people who are dangerous or who, who are in such a negative place that like it, it's really harmful to be in relationship with them insofar as like I'm spending time with them, talking with them. My heart still wants to have an openness to them and a desire to be with them forever. That doesn't mean I have to go hang out with this difficult person every Saturday night. So we're not necessarily just like, we don't want to say necessarily boxing that family will save the world, meaning like immediate family. And if that's mm. not all together, then like I'm lost. But this is the whole point. Like this is where the church wants to provide another expression of family. And so maybe there is a, a very difficult experience on those who share your same blood. But there's this idea that what is it? Blood is thicker than water, but grace is thicker than blood. Like that the Lord does provide another family. And so if, if your other families have like, do you not experience a place of belonging and being loved by Jenna and I? Right? And that's what the church offers is maybe for now, like that place is broken and maybe there's things outside of our control, but you are meant to find a place where you belong and where you receive who you are because you don't manufacture your identity and you don't manufacture your happiness. It has to be received. And the place to receive that is the community, which in Christian terms is family because we do share the same father. Yeah. I had never heard that. Grace is thicker than blood. That's good. It was like so healing. Yeah, it was mm. beautiful. Thank you. Well, good thing we're having multiple podcast episodes with you, Father, because I feel like there's so much more to say. Just as we kind of bring it in, I, I feel like it's been a little bit abstract. We've kind of moved a little bit fluidly. So for the listeners, okay, so what do I do? Yeah. I do hope it can be a time to just be introspective and to pray a little bit and to invite the Lord, like just to pay attention to your heart. And just, is there a desire in there for belonging? Is there a desire in there to be in relationship? If not, if life's been so difficult, it's not there. Let's just ask the Lord to start to bring that desire and to start mm-hmm. to heal that lack of desire. And that's fine if that's where we want to begin. If you go there and you feel like, I want this, but my expression of it, my experience of it is so broken, the idea of it, like it, it seems impossible. Okay, Lord, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. But I do want there to be hope because there is nothing that the Lord can't redeem and can't heal. And he desperately, intentionally, with, with great urgency. This is the Lord. Like, he cries over Jerusalem because if only you knew, I'd like gather you together. Mm. Like a brood gathers, like a hen gathers her brood. Like if only you would let me, I would make you family. Mm. This is the cry of the Lord's heart. 
He wants it for all of us. Maybe the next step is just, okay, Lord, help me make the next best step in this, whatever that looks like. And it's going to be different for a lot of us. Mm. But we're meant for family, and family is what the church is meant to be. It is the context for our healing and our salvation and for our eternity, our eternal rejoicing and all that. One of my favorite Protestant worship leaders says something like, we are made for heaven and heaven looks like family, just like what you said. Yeah. I would just encourage anyone with that longing or with that pain to spend time with the Holy Family. We just came through recently, earlier this year, the Feast of the Holy Family, and I heard, again, kind of this idea, and I could almost like just feel the pain of the congregation around family. Maybe that's me. But even like kind of the conversation around it was, you know, my family doesn't measure up to the Holy Family. And that really pains me because that's not the point. The point is not that the Holy Family is this measuring rod. The point is that the Holy Family is our family. Jesus came into family to make us a part of his family. Mary, as the perfect mother, is not only the gold standard for our femininity or like who you should be as a mother. She wants to be your mother. She wants to mother those tender places in your heart that were not mothered. And St. Joseph, similarly, you know, especially if you have a difficult time encountering God as Father, to spend time with St. Joseph, to spend time just even maybe in the infancy narratives or the presentation at the temple or Jesus being lost in the temple, you know, but just to encounter family there and be a child there, be received. How did you put it? To receive yourself in the context of the Holy Family. And just to emphasize that that's not just nice, pious language, that to actually have St. Joseph be father to you and Mary to be mother to you is actually something possible through prayer and through relationship and discipleship. That's a real thing. I'm telling you because it is my reality. (laughs) Jenna, any practical tips for you? I think only recently I realized that Mary didn't have to just be someone I look to, like you said, as like a measuring stick. Just echoing what you said, I guess. I'm not there quite yet with St. Joseph, but he's fine. Mary and I are just getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Jenna, can I give you your practical tip? Oh, please. <laughs> well, you've just because you've taught it to me, you know, I have a, a very challenging relationship with my sister. Jenna, you've taught me about what it is to be a sister and to be loved by a sister. In fact, she shares a middle name with my sister. So that's just like a little wink from the Lord. But the heart behind Blessed Is She is sisterhood. And that's not like a cute thing that we say. Like we're actually bought into that. Yeah. We're actually living redeemed sisterhood in our friendship. So if you don't want to start with your actual nuclear mm. biological family and you're not quite there with the holy family to maybe look to friendship, allow that to be a starting place. Yeah. But who brought you into relationship with one another? Yeah. And this is part of the Lord's work of, of redeeming that relationship and redeeming family. And he wants to do that in our in our listeners' lives. Yeah. In our lives. Mm-hmm. It's ongoing. Absolutely. Father, would you close this with a prayer? Sure. In the name <laughs> of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we know that you are the best of fathers. And that by the gift of baptism, we are made your sons and daughters, that we are brought into your family. And that as we belong to you, we belong to one another. But Lord, we live in a fallen world, and we have fallen hearts, and fallen relationships, and fallen dreams and fallen expectations of what is possible. We beg that your grace of healing may touch each of these areas of our lives, that as we know we belong to you, we may also learn that we belong in family, 
and that you desire to give us a family which heals us and restores us, and which is a safe place for us to receive our identity and to bloom as sons and daughters. We pray especially, Lord, that your grace may touch those hearts most fearful, most discouraged, and most afraid of this invitation. May your tender hand guide us and lead us and show us how to make the next best step. And we make this prayer in the name of Jesus our Lord, through the prayers of our most holy mother, our lady of Guadalupe. We make this prayer in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Father. You're welcome. So glad you're not going anywhere. Thanks, Father. You're welcome. See you next time. See you next time. (laughs) 